Welcome to the EdTech Podcast. This week, Ofsted Chairman David Hoare described my pace of birth as a ghetto with problems of inbreeding, setting Twitter and the Isle of Wight Council alight with a spirit of indignation. For those wishing to investigate further, I recommend reading up on TES and checking out Savos Khan's humorous video on YouTube entitled On the Ghetto, replete with images of outstanding natural beauty on this holiday hotspot for sailors and non-sailors alike. In other news, this week's episode is with the JISC CEO, Paul Feldman. There was no concept of using technology and learning. Technology and learning uh, was, was an overhead projector. JISC represents the UK further and higher education sector on EdTech standards and joint services. This episode was recorded on the day of the EU referendum, June the 23rd, 2016. In it, we talk about Janet, who increasingly sounds like a lovely and charming woman, but turns out to be JISC's 600 gigabyte backbone network for researchers and educators. We also talk about digital resources, distance learning, learning analytics, the UK standing internationally on open access and edtech, student data privacy, and JISC's project to build an enormous warehouse of anonymized student data to better understand UK learning. 85 universities are signed up to date. Thanks for listening. Send your comments and questions to at Podcast EdTech on Twitter or the EdTechPodcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to sign up to the free UKTI webinar on EdTech taking place this week at 10 a.m. this Wednesday the 10th. Registration is online and free and you can find the link on Twitter and Instagram. Have a great week, everyone. delighted to be here with Paul Feldman, uh, the CEO of JISC. And uh, today is quite a momentous day as it's the day um, of the referendum, uh, voting for remain or exit in uh, in the EU. Um, and the weather is playing its part with a huge torrential uh, downpour outside. So um, there's lots of sort of very wet people running around and looking quite harassed outside. But we're now in the calm domain of JISC in what's the name of the house here Brettenham House Brettenham House so that's fantastic so just before we get going um Paul is it possible to give us a quick overview for those we have listeners from all over the world mm-hmm. who aren't familiar with JISC what JISC is in a nutshell yeah so I, I think of JISC as the digital arm of the higher further education and research uh, sectors. Uh, So, I mean, uh, our our role, we connect all the universities and colleges in the UK, pretty much all the research institutes and a lot of other uh, notable uh, organisations like the British Library and the Science Museum uh, and and, and the like. And, and, And I see our role as providing solutions and capabilities and really sort of prompting the sector to use technology to improve uh, the, the the way the way they all work. I mean, we we have a an aim of of the UK being the most advanced uh, uh, teaching and educa and research uh, nation in the world. 
Wow. Okay. And um, I know I was listening to your uh, the Jisk podcast actually when I was uh, taking a run the other morning, and I was listening about the Jisk um, vision. So with your Connect events around the mm-hmm. country. Um, so w- what's the kind of what are the main visions that you're hoping to achieve for the sector, or the sector has informed you to deliver? <laughs> Well, I mean, they're they're, they're multifaceted, uh, and uh, because the sector itself is, is has got so many different aspects, whether it's a research intensive university or a smaller guild he uh, like the Royal College of uh, Arts or something like that, they all they have different uh, needs, uh, as it were. But uh, but key to us is is giving them the connectivity they need. So we run the Janet network that connects eighteen million people. A, a year, uh, and, 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 and the key need there is to provide the connectivity that the research industry need and universities need for teaching. And so is that the kind of um, extended Wi-Fi network? Because my mm-hmm. husband works in the university sector, and uh, we were on uh, well, we were on a trip in Asturias recently, mm-hmm. and we were just walking through a square, and he's like, "Oh, great, I'm on the network." Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's Edgerome. So, uh, okay, so yep. there's the, the, there's a worldwide sort of standard called Edgerome. Uh, that we provide here in the UK. So all the universities, many, well, 96% of the universities, many colleges uh, and a few other institutions uh, have the Edgerome standard. If you signed up for Edgerome, you can connect to it anywhere else in the world that happens to uh, have an Edgerome Wi-Fi. So that's Edgerome. Janet is this massive network that sits across uh, the UK. Um, It's always hard to sort of describe its scale because it's enormous. Um, And and we're in the process of upgrading it. So if you think at home, uh, here in the UK, there's 200 megabits. uh, It's it's probably the maximum someone has as broadband. We've got 600 gigabits uh, going into the backbone. Uh, The smallest main link is going to be 400 gigabits. uh, And that's to supply the research needs, by and large, uh, of uh, the UK. Though though we're finding of the teaching use of that is really growing, uh, as well as universities and colleges start using uh, a lot more online uh, uh, learning. But uh, if you you think of the amount of data that's coming out of the Hadron Collider uh, in Switzerland, it's massive amounts of data. And we've got the Square Kilometre Array coming on, on, on stream soon that apparently has more data than all the rest of the research data. Uh, put together that we've got to get from the the source of the facility through to the universities uh, and the research institutes uh, that want to use it, and and that's what Janet uh, does. It means the the use the universities just don't think need to think about capacity. That's our problem. That's at the base layer, and then we provide a range of of services on top of that. So we provide cybersecurity. We per, we we're part of the uh, we're one of the main collaborators in the Shibboleth. Uh, consortium so uh, the ability to get a single sign-on to lots of educational uh, resources so we're uh, along with a few other parties in the world we're a key developer of that uh, capability we provide uh, digital resources into uh, the colleges and universities so ebooks for for further education we digitized the English historic tests from I think 15th to the 19th century and things like this in, in conjunction with the British Library uh, and it's an amazing amount of uh, rich resources that we provide uh, into the sector. Uh, and are you finding there's a lot of interest internationally in, in sort of replicating that? So, yes, yeah, so, so we do a lot uh, internationally and we'd like to do an awful lot more 
uh, as well. Actually, we've uh, we've got some key services we provide into libraries uh, at the moment that we've got a few people from around the world saying, "Oh, that looks interesting. Can you provide it uh, for us?" So uh, there's a there's a couple of implementations. For example, there's Sweden uh, take our service, and there's a few, uh, quite a few other countries at the moment, sort of uh, looking uh, to do that. Uh, the network itself connects into Géant, which is the European. Uh, uh, so, so there's networks in every country in the world, in most, in all the bit main countries in the world, and Géant is the one that connects all the European, what's called NREN's National Research and Education right, networks, yeah. which is the equivalent uh, of Janet. So we, we 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 send traffic all around the world um, uh, to to help uh, research collaboration. Um, lots of UK universities and colleges have off over offshore campuses. And they also have a lot of yeah. online uh, learning and uh, we, we enable that uh, and make it work effectively. And in terms of, you, you mentioned um, obviously wanting to lead globally in terms of innovation and support mm -hmm. um, for connectivity in higher education. Which countries or regions do you feel sort of snapping at the heels or, mm -hmm. you know, challenging that slightly? So, so it's not just connectivity. We provide a lot of solutions as well. And, 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 and there's no, it's, it's, there's the, because of the breadth of, of, of things that we do, it's hard to say this country is better or that country is better. Yeah. I think actually in the network, Janet is probably the best in the world, we think. But it's, it's certainly there or thereabouts, probably the biggest of its type in the world. So the UK definitely leads. It's a real jewel in the crown for the UK. Uh, some of the things we're doing, uh, learning analytics, the ability for universities and colleges to understand how their students are doing, how students can understand how they're doing from, from uh, and, and, and sort of make sure they're on track. Uh, we, the, the UK is catching up there. I think we'd say the US and Australia are yeah. probably leading uh, in the use of analytics in the learning uh, space, but we're looking to leapfrog the UK uh, to be the best. I think in re management of research data and open access and those type of capabilities, UK is probably there or thereabouts uh, in the lead. Uh, using technology to, uh, in uh, edtech, using technology in further ed higher education, UK's got a long way to go, uh, we think. I think uh, Australia's uh, an interesting country for that. There's a, I think there's a lot of interest in things happening in Germany uh, and the Netherlands, the US, obviously. Yep. There are bright sparks uh, there. But one of the things we're looking to do is to run a program in the UK to really push the UK to the forefront of that. But it's uh, there's a lot of great practice in individual places in the UK. But as a nation, we're... Uh, we've got an awful lot more we can do. And so on your programme, what, what will that cover? What will there be the main elements of that EdTech programme? Or so, so we're in the process of scoping it up at the moment. We're doing a lot of research into uh, what's good what, uh, and, and where there's opportunities. Um, but it'll be things like uh, uh, learning spaces. What are, what's best practice in learning spaces? It, it'll be things like... Uh, what is the really best way to do online learning? What is the, the good way to, um, uh, it gets called blended learning and flipped classrooms. Yep. I, I don't think they're the best. We haven't come up with a great descriptor of how you really use technology in the moment in, 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 in teaching, but, but, it, but something in that space, really, really what, what is the best way to get the concepts across uh, online? And then how do you really sort of then play with them in, in seminars? How do the lecturers or teachers really sort of work with their students in that blend of technology and, and discussion? How can you bring people in 
virtually into on in, into real classrooms. Yeah. I was talking to a university recently with a an offshore campus where they want to be able to uh, pipe in their offshore students into their onshore campus and run it as a virtual classroom. How do you do that? What's the best practice in that space? And how do you think higher education and further education stack up against, um, say, K-12 or schools in terms of ed tech and the cultural acceptance of um, innovation in that mm-hmm. way and challenge, you know, perhaps where you have establishments that are hundreds of years old and very proud of that. Do you think mm-hmm. that's part of part of the uptake challenge? Um, ab- absolutely. I, I think schools, s- schools p- p- partly because I think there's more uh, interesting ed tech in schools. It's a much bigger market uh, and there's a lot more, there's a lot more scope for innovation in schools. It's also a much bigger uh, age range. So, so uh, we, we, we don't serve the schools, uh, so, so I don't have a great insight yeah. into what's happening there. But uh, my sense is there's a lot more innovation uh, in the school space. There are some really great examples of, of innovation uh, in technology in colleges. Um, there are some examples in universities, but, but, but on the scale of things, uh, less so. So I think uh, there, is, there is a real opportunity to, to do an awful a uh, lot more and there are different challenges so uh, further education um, the uh, there's a lot less money yeah, so yeah. there's less quite a lot of consolidation scope. happening yeah, at the moment. absolutely yeah. so so when you look at the uh, providers wanting to uh, who, who look at the market they'll say well is there the scale there uh, and I think higher education um, it's, it's it's much more bespoke I mean every lecturer has their own way of, t- of bringing over their uh, their ideas and it's much more it's as much around the lecturer as it is around the the, the material so yeah again it's it's uh, it's ripe there's real opportunities and I think the hundred year olds the hundred year old establishments um, that, that they bring their own kudos they bring their own magic uh, yeah. that people uh, go for because uh, uh, because well, you mentioned people bringing their students into you know physical lecture spaces in the UK mm-hmm. perhaps where they have satellite uh, institutions how do you see a university perhaps in the year 2050 is it going to be a physical space or is it going to be something different I mean have you kind mm-hmm. of I know a lot of uh, what just uh, do uh, is sort of the horizon gazing aspect so mm-hmm. how do you see universities looking that far in the future well i mean we we believe that i mean a key part of the university uh, experience is is not just the uh, the pedagogy it's the whole social experience it's the growing up it's the uh, meeting friends for the rest of your life yeah. uh, and i think there will always be that demand to to move away from home and be in a a safe exciting space where you, where you learn this is that bridge from school into uh, the rest of your life so, so I believe there will always be physical universities I also think that no matter what comes that 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 really face-to-face mm. next physical uh, experience in learning it can't be it's been a long time even in 2050 I don't think it'll be replicated online so I think there's a always going to be a, a, a place for that face-to-face experience uh, that's not to say you're not going to get great experiences online and and, and distance learning but um, sort of being able to touch and feel uh, research being able to see the whites of the eyes of uh, of the lecturer that sort of the excitement of, of being next to someone who's getting a learning uh, a real sort of uh, insight in, 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 into something is is irreplaceable but so, so I think the spectrum of learning is always going to be is going to be there 
And how was your own uh, education experience? And what was uh, my understanding is you came into JISC, you know, in the last couple of years? Yeah, October. October. Oh, October, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> can you tell us a little bit about yourself and joining mm-hmm. JISC and what your background was and that kind of thing? Well, so, I mean, I've, I, I mean, I graduated in what, 1981, so I graduated in the world where there was, <laughs> there was no concept of using technology and learning. Technology and learning uh, was, was an overhead projector. Uh, and, and, and scribbling, absolutely, <laughs> scribbling, scribbling down uh, notes, even though I did a computing <laughs> degree. Oh, wow. uh, yes, yeah, so, so I did my first degree at St. Andrews in computing, uh, did a bit of work, then I did my PhD, uh, again, pretty much in, in business it was, but the computing aspect of business. And I've, and I've worked pretty much in the commercial space, um, uh, mo- most of the time, a lot of that in banking. Uh, joined here uh, last October, I've, uh, and uh, it's been a fascinating insight into education. So my experience of education, other than my own uh, education and my kids, uh, who I've got two daughters who have been through uh, university now. Yeah. So one, one's just about to go back. But, uh, but, but until, until, until uh, last October, I hadn't really been involved in the business. Uh, of the universities and colleges so uh, my learning curve is immense uh, really enjoying it and really seeing the difference that we can bring uh, I mean one of the bring, one of the benefits I bring into the sector is I've been involved in innovation in banking I've been involved in, in innovation in digital publishing and I can bring those insights into mm. uh, the sector and really re- really push I suppose I can bring a confidence in that innovation does make a difference in sectors that have, have already been through the digital revolution yeah. to help the uh, to, uh, to, to help the sectors we serve really sort of move forward. So one of my questions was uh, around the role of JISC in terms of helping to offer universities efficiencies in terms of procurement. Mm-hmm. So for example, working with the vendor community, I suppose, to um, A, develop products that you know, really aid whether it's universities or further education. B, then, you know, making that process uh, one that isn't as expensive as it needs to be, but at the same time is tailored to each university or further education college's needs. Because I suppose there could be a temptation to buy something that's standardised across everything, but then universities differ in their wants and needs. Um, what are your thoughts on all of the all of those questions there? So, yeah, I mean, a key part of what we do, as you've said, is to procure on behalf of the sector where it makes sense to procure on behalf of the sector. Um, and, and, and it is a balance. I mean, everything you said is, is, is right. There's a balance between getting something that uh, is a value to the sector while also ensuring that there's flexibility. Um, and, and I think some of that defines where we can successfully buy. So we've done a lot of technology deals. We've got uh, deals with Microsoft, Amazon, and Google uh, to enable colleges and universities to get access to the cloud, Office 365, Google Apps uh, for education in a really effective way. And, and, we, and because of the network, we connect in directly. So we, we make it uh, effective technically as well as buying. We have uh, just collections, uh, which, is, uh, the, the, which is the way that the, the sector buys journals, e-journals and, and, and e-books. Uh, so we, we bring together all of that need from the whole of the sector and we'll negotiate with uh, the publishers, not only to get good deals, but to get them structured in the way that the sector works, particularly with the open access mm. uh, agenda that's uh, around. What we don't do is go out and, um, and, 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 and tailor 
uh, the products too much. We do where it makes sense. If they're not educational products, yeah. but we think we can bring them in, we will have those conversations. We'll make them fit for purpose for education, but for the broad mass. Uh, our view is that it's uh, uh, we, 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 we'll put the contracts in place, but it's for the universities and colleges to take that and really make it work for themselves. That's mm. that's their job, and we we enable them. We'll, we'll will sometimes stimulate them to do different things. Uh, but it's their job, it's the CIOs in the universities and colleges who need to take that and really make it work uh, for them. It's librarians to take the capabilities and really make it work uh, for their institutions. And, I mean, you mentioned publishers before and mm -hmm. um, just collections. Are you seeing a lot of, well, you talked about disruption in banking and publishing disruption to, to that with regards to things like Google Scholar and is that changing or, or will journals be a, a kind of mainstay do you think? It's it's really it's it's fascinating uh, and and that's a hard one to predict that the publishers are doing their absolute best to uh, uh, to, to maintain their revenues as they should uh, because we need the publishers to be vibrant organisations mm. but there is plenty of opportunity for them to adapt to the digital world I think there we, we, we truly believe that the, the world of the future will be very different and when we speak to the publishers they all recognise that there's an adaptation to happen it's, but it's got to happen in the right way for them uh, we, we don't want to see them fall over and go bust. No. Uh, so, so, so it's how they can change their models, their, fi their economic models for that world of the future and still deliver the value they do uh, to, 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 to our members, universities and colleges. You mentioned uh, learning analytics within JISC. I suppose they're sort of negotiating the analytics, adaptive learning agenda as well and sort of going mm -hmm. through that process, aren't they? So. Um. Yeah, uh, th though that's less publishers and more. I mean, if we take that, that, that's a great example of where we've worked closely with a lot of suppliers to uh, to, to, to fit into the open standards that we've defined. And maybe opens a bit a bit of a, a an overblown uh, word there, but uh, but we've defined a framework and a set of standards that the the UK can adopt uh, to uh, to really start collecting those learning moments uh, and and uh, and use the capabilities of the suppliers. Uh, are, are also adapting uh, for the UK to uh, to be able to sort of move forward. So it's really collaborative mm. between the vendors, uh, the universities, colleges and ourselves to create a, a, a different ecosystem, unique in the world, uh, that we think will really lead uh, the way. Part of that, um, as I understand it with JISC, is, um, you know, sort of flagging at-risk students and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And obviously with, I think... Um, debt in the US associated with student dropouts 1.2 trillion or something I, I, I heard a, a absolutely <laughs> massive figure mm -hmm. but is that kind of a pressure point and a fear of the establishments here about you know we need to kind of make sure we don't go down that path or I, I mean I think the uh, it, it's it's similar but I think the the issue in the UK is and, and, and where some of it's coming from is uh, about widening participation. So how do we get uh, a broader range of people feeling confident about getting access into uh, in, into higher education, particularly universities for widening participation? Because uh, I think colleges do pretty well uh, in, 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 in that space. But how do we get a broader range of people uh, coming into university? And then when they're there, how do we make sure they're successful? Mm. Uh, and I think that learning analytics is definitely a key uh, a key tool in ensuring the success of uh, students from from if they're the first into university they don't have 
parents who understand to help them guide them through the trials and tribulations because university isn't an easy no, uh, no. experience uh, and then some universities are using it to uh, to uh, to get students through who may be on the borderline of a 2-2 into a 2-1 or a 2-1 uh, into a first so it's it, it can be used in multiple ways so one of the questions we had from uh, our listeners was, um, will JISC be going into the MOOC market to improve CPD? That's not our, but we're not in the business of pedagogy. You know? We're in the business of enabling yeah. a pedagogy. So uh, definitely, uh, I mean, a lot of the MOOCs, in fact, all, almost all the UK MOOCs providers will have us uh, at some part of their infrastructure. So we're definitely an enabler. Uh, our technology-enabled labor, uh, our technology-enabled learning program which is a bit of a mouthful we've got to find a better name for it um, make an acronym everyone loves tell. acronyms uh, the acronyms tell but, but nobody knows what that means at the moment so so our tell program uh is definitely what we'll, we'll, we'll look at things like MOOCs and and see how we can um help help the institutions to be more effective we we're, we're not and never will be a MOOCs provider we are in the cpd market for lecturers understanding how they can do more effective uh, learning using technology. So we've got a, we've developed a range of digital skills programs for leaders in colleges and universities to help improve their skills. So what kind of role within a university would be the person that would attend that course? Uh, so so, 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 so lecturers might might get value from it. Certainly, uh, leaders of universities will get uh, uh, value from it. There's 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 a couple of different. Uh, uh, courses and, and yeah. options we've even got some that uh, uh, for students as well so so there's there's three or four different solutions that we've put in place there yeah. uh, all, all of which are in pilot or in early stage so there's a lot of change to go in that space and is cautiousness around data protection still a huge issue for universities well there's certainly uh, quite rightly uh, a continual uh, focus on, on on protecting data and, and that should never go away. Yeah. Um, we, we've worked really closely with uh, the National Union of Students here in the UK uh, to work out a code of ethics uh, for use of data and our learning analytics program uh, really really ad adheres to that. Um, and and, and we're, we're providing uh, good, uh, good, good protection uh, within our solution uh, for the individual student uh, data uh, that, that data is only available to the student or, 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 or broadly uh, for the institution it's the institution's data it's the student's data it's not our data we have it in our warehouse but it's uh, uh, we protect it as, as best we can uh, in that space uh, we will we, we, we can see uh, because we're going to build this enormous and unique and quite fantastic warehouse of learning uh, UK learning that's going to be uh, extraordinarily useful for for researchers in teaching uh, as, as, as it builds up. Um, uh, but, but for that, we'll, we'll have to anonymize it. We will be anonymizing it because we have to protect uh, uh, the individual student records. And so that warehouse, that, uh, mm -hmm. could you remind me what it was called again? The UK. I, I, I'm not. It has. I, I, it's not got a uh, name okay. yet. It will have so, a name. So what? And what? What is that? So so with so so if we come back to our learning analytics program, yeah. what what that'll be doing is capturing all the digital footprints that students leave as they go through their learning journey. journey. What uh, as as they attend lectures, as they go to the library, as they read ebooks, as they put in assignments, uh, and and so on, so on. All of the, all of that data is is uploaded into our warehouse by the. Uh, by the university or the college and then we run heuristics against it and so if right. we've got uh, at the moment 85 universities signed up 
uh, for moving into this. So over the next two, two or three years, all of that data and 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 more and more, we expect. Uh, we, we would hope that by the time we're done, most of the UK universities and many colleges will be signed up for this. So, so we're building up all of these individual records into this massive, big data warehouse, yeah. uh, and we'll be able to and, and we'll be able to run uh, all sorts of interesting uh, analytics uh, against it for for general trends in in, in, in educational practice. And will you in the be UK. publishing those trends for the wider community, or will that be something specific for your members or? Well, our members are, are are all the universities and colleges, so, so every single one of those is a member of yeah. of JISC. Uh, but 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 that's where we have to take care with it. So mm. there would be people with valid research uh, who we would hope to make the the warehouse available for. But but I think we have to take great care not to to p- people have given us the data in trust. Mm. Uh, we need to respect the trust that it's given to us and. Uh, and, 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 and use it with uh, caution. We, we, we're really excited by what this will be. We, it's a, as I say, it's a real competitive advantage for the UK as, as we build it up. And we think it's going to give rise to some really interesting um, uh, capabilities uh, as, as it matures. So the more we think about it, the more we think of the things that we'll be able to enable uh, for the UK, but it's it's all a bit too early. There's still a lot of, uh, yeah, of visioning and dreams. But but if you th- but but there's uh, uh, anybody thinking about what that might look like uh, can 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 imagine some of the opportunities that we're starry-eyed about. And if people have ideas or you know thoughts about how they could um, uh, or how GIS could use that. Can they contact JISC and with oh, their absolutely. ideas? Is there yeah. a collaborative process on that front? Yeah, I mean, there's, yeah. That's certainly from the universities and colleges that sign up, there's a yeah. there's a whole program of, of of involvement. I think there's quarterly meetings and lots of interaction. I'm sure there's lots of social media uh, <laughs> that, that, that 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 I don't subscribe to that uh, people can subscribe to and brilliant. sign up. Um, <laughs> so what was I going to say? Uh, and on that front, in terms of the tracking and the the harvesting of that data. For want of a better word, um, is that done through universities, sort of VLEs or learning, learning management systems, that kind of thing? So, for example, yes. Yeah. So, so, so their library students, their student information systems, yeah. uh, their VLEs, their just all the various sensors that are around yeah. uh, in universities. So, so there's multiple different uh, sources, and and that comes back to the the vendor collaboration. Uh, because all of those have vendors and we've worked with those vendors, the vendors that want to take part, and there's many of them, uh, to, to, to to sort of define the standards so that we can suck the data yep. into our warehouse uh, in, in as uh, effective a way as possible. And and so when does that project, is that, kick, is that kicking it's, off? It, or it's, it has it's, a li- it's, a live, it's a live project. We're in pilot in a number of institutions. Yep. Uh, as, as we speak, I think we've got 10 institutions already uploaded data uh into the in in, in into the warehouse yeah. and, and that's growing every day excellent so what does the following week hold for you so 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 if i look at what's coming up uh, in the near future we've got uh we've got the gist board meeting next week so we're a, a not-for-profit we've got a board of trustees uh they're they're, they're coming down to our bristol office next week it's i think it's the fir- their first visit into okay. uh, the bristol office so it's a bit of a tour of the Bristol office, obviously the standard uh, business of the board. Uh, I've actually, it's quite interesting on Wednesday, I've got a student from St Andrews who's shadowing me 
Oh, uh, for Yeah, my old yeah. university. They've got they've got uh, a program they've uh, developed oh. to try and get alumni to actually sort of give a, give a leg up, as it were, just in terms of experience. Yeah. Uh, to uh, to students. So, so I've you're going to have loads of cups of tea that day. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so so she's she, she she's got she's got quite a good day ahead of her. So she's going to see the board meeting and then. Uh, uh, and, and then she's coming up to London with me, back to London with me, uh, to attend uh, a dinner uh, oh, uh, of. Uh, so, uh, I'm not exactly sure what the final attendee is list at that, but it's uh, it's an organisation called HEPI, the Higher Education Policy Institute uh, dinner on. Uh, so she's she's going to get quite a good experience. Uh, the following week, I'm off to. Uh, we've got a conference, uh, a worldwide conference on. On learning, uh, so I think a lot of uh, high-profile uh, speakers coming in from around the world to talk about. Re- I think it's the use of information in research yeah. uh, that we're sponsoring jointly with uh, the US CNI Connected Network Institute. Uh, I'm not sure what CNI stands for, so another but, 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 but another, another acronym. But yeah. I do know, but I can't remember yeah. at the moment. So that, that's so. So we've got that conference, and then then I've got to fly off to Vancouver in the middle of the conference. To meet with peer CEOs from the other network, uh, the NRENs, the National Research and Education Networks. That's that's not my usual uh, week, but but there is no such thing as a usual week. And and how me. do you unwind? What's your own uh, kind mm-hmm. of way of unwinding from all of this? So so uh, I, I I play golf. Uh, so I've, uh, I play golf uh, every every fortnight. Uh, we do a lot of walking, uh, my wife and I. So we. Uh, We'll, we'll get we'll get out walking most weekends, uh, and uh, uh, we, we we do a lot of that down in Pembrokeshire, which oh, uh, which which we love. I eat too much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we do a lot of cinema, uh, read a lot, and uh, and when I can, I go mountain biking. Oh, cool! I used to do a lot of mountain biking. <laughs> well, Paul, thank you very much, awesome. and uh, and if people want to contact Jisk, they can. I know you guys have your podcast. You're on mm. Twitter. I think I'm not sure if you're on Instagram. They can they can contact you in those uh, ways. And uh, absolutely, others. and and the website's and there, the website, so you can find all the all the ways to contact us uh, on the website. And if you're in education in the or higher and further education in the UK, uh, every college and uh, university has key contacts. They've account managers. We have uh, Connect More events going on around the UK at the moment. So uh, there's regional events that people can can use their their once a year uh, regional events. We have our Digifest yeah. uh, conference people can come along to annually. Lots of ways uh, to get involved. Absolutely brilliant. Thanks very much. And I'll uh, head back out into the rain now. Good luck. <laughs> Thanks very much for listening, everyone. If you feel like subscribing, sharing the podcast with a friend or rating the podcast, you can do so at iTunes, TuneIn or Stitcher. And next week, we are back with Richard Collata, the Chief Innovation Officer from the state of Rhode Island. See you then.